Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I am Meg Walter in studio with my husband, Stephen Walter. Hey, Stephen. Hey. What? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so this is podcasting. Eli is out of town. So Stephen has graciously agreed to join me today to talk about a show we've been watching together. But first, let's talk about, Stephen, what you've been watching this last week. Oh, um, I went and saw The Irishman. Tell me about it. In theaters last night. Um, I recommend, I think people ought to see it. In theaters? Because it's available on Netflix? No. Tomorrow? I think tomorrow. Okay. Which I thought, (laughs) if I had known that, I probably would have not gone to the theater. Although it feels like almost like a political issue at this point. Well, like go, you go see it in the theater. Because you of Martin the whole, Scorsese's so hard up for cash. Steven Spielberg was like, you know, yep. if it's not in the theaters, it shouldn't get an Oscar. Yep. Do you want me to go on my long rant about that for a second? If your rant is no longer than 60 seconds, go. I think Spielberg and Lucas and that generation, they created the Marvel Universe. They created blockbusters. Like, literally, the term yeah. didn't even exist until Jaws. Uh-huh. And now they're, like, bugged that those people have figured out how to do it, like, over and over well, and over. sure. It's get off my lawn. It's very get off my lawn. On the other hand, their complaints about Netflix kind of make sense to me, which is that if you have an outsized, hugely successful movie in the theaters, you as a creator take part in the return on that. Mm. If you sell your movie to Netflix, let's say your movie costs $10 million to make, they'll buy it for like 13 Yeah. Flip side, movie's yeah. a flop. Movie's a flop. You're still getting paid. You would have gotten paid anyway. <laughs> You get like a director fee and your actor's fee, and then you get back end, right? Yeah. And there's no back end on a Netflix movie. That's what's so crazy about it. The mm, only so time they opened it up was you, for Adam Sandler. So then why are people doing it? Because this is an industry about people who are passionate about something and they will do it even it's not okay. a, it's not an economically right. rational No, it's not academia. No, I'm serious. I like I think they don't they're craftsmen. There there's no other where else are they going to make movies? That's what they love doing. That's all they want to do. So you think they're being put in a corner? I'm saying they have to do Netflix or nothing. I think Netflix is the only place that's like has had an open wallet for the last couple of years. Okay. And has been way overspending. Amazon's trying to catch up. Apple it tried and then failed and is trying again. But if you're a creator, you're like, well, I get to make something and I'm not going to make as much money. And Spielberg is saying, I made so much money on my movies that I opened my own studio, DreamWorks, yeah, so that I could help other artists make what they want to make. And he's annoyed that Netflix is now a competitor in that. I think, I think he's like – he thinks he's on this righteous war of like, you know, maybe um, – if theaters were still like, you should go see something in the theater because the economics of it make more sense for people who make movies than seeing it on your TV. Are we worried that movie making is going to become an extinct industry? Uh, no. I mean, but there is a concern Absolutely where not. Nancy Meyer couldn't get her last movie funded, right? Because all Disney <clears throat> wants to make is Marvel movies. All anyone wants to make is billion dollar movies. Well, the, the, the 
it it's a marketing problem as much as anything else. Like there's only yeah. so much there's only so many days in the year that Disney can market to something. And at a certain point, you can't have that many movies coming out because then you're marketing against your own movies. And what or would you rather make a one to two hundred million dollar movie that has a chance of making like five hundred to a billion? Or would you rather rather make like twenty, ten million dollar movies that might make a hundred each? It's just the economics are crazy. And they did make sense at a time when people went to the theater on Friday and said, what's playing? I'll go see whatever's playing, right? Whatever has a good poster or whatever has a good tagline or whatever has a good star that I love. But people don't go to the movies like that. I don't go to the movies like that anymore. No. I, I, I specifically wanted to see Irishman. I knew exactly when it was playing. I knew exactly where it was playing and where I wanted to see it. Who has good bulbs? What? <laughs> I like <laughs> you got to go to you got to know which theaters have good like projections and which theaters like dim their bulbs. Maybe one thing we should tell people <clears throat> about you, Stephen, is that there are people <laughs> who like movies and there are people who live and breathe movies. Yeah, I know. That's why I don't know. I I feel really uncomfortable on this podcast sometimes. Because you're too good at it? No, because I feel like I'm lecturing. Oh, I get, well, don't I'll, lecture. I also, but I, I'm so rarely on this podcast <laughs> that now i got to fill in my whole... <laughs> oh, no. We need to start you your own podcast. <clears throat> Give me my own podcast. <laughs> Let's just put you in a and room by yourself. <laughs> I can just rant <clears throat> for a little while, and then I'll, I will ex- get it all out of my system. Uh, what else but have you moved? they don't make uh, small-budget movies anymore. Okay. And they, no one buys them except for We're like A24. Yeah. And that's not a company that's set up to make money. They just love Make movies. sure you're talking into the mic. <sighs> so that's what – anyway. So Irishman was, is good. It's it was, really long. Yeah. It makes more sense to watch it on Netflix, frankly. Because like, you, you can, can like pause it. take a pee break. And it's like – it's a <laughs> it tracks like 40 to 50 years of a man's life. Uh, and so there's lots of like, you could pause it or and pick it up the next day. I'm sure Marty doesn't want you to watch Your it. Your close way. friend Marty. Yeah, me and Marty. Um, you know what? Can I say it's something? Really good. I don't care how Marty wants me to watch the movie. Well, yeah, and that's, I think that's what has happened generally, <laughs> which is just like, actually, my TV's pretty good. Yeah. I get to pause stuff. Also, I don't have to sit by strangers who are obnoxious. I get to sit on my couch. People in the movies are so obnoxious. Yeah. People who treat those reclining seats like their bed. Yeah. Get out of here. What are you doing? The recliner, I don't know. It's ruined society. It's not good. It's we, bad. I mean, we've People gone bring too far. their smelly blankets from home. Get Leave your shoes on your feet. People bring blankets. People bring their smelly Ew, blankets. They take so their disgusting. shoes off. It's um, not a bed. Public service announcement. It's time to stop taking naps on the floor of the airport. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no, that's a different podcast. What else have you been watching? Um, I watched broadcast news for the first time. Okay. It was phenomenal. Okay. Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. And um, Hurt. What's his name? Something Hurt. William Hurt. Is it William Hurt? Is William Hurt? Or is that like a, I feel like that's like a Rockefeller. Yeah. Um, Albert Brooks movie. It's um, I don't know. I'd always heard about it, so I looked it up and watched it. It's amazing. And then um, uh, I watch 
Do we talk about like YouTube stuff that we watch? Yeah. Tim Heidecker has a call-in podcast okay. show called Office Hours. It's live. <laughs> <laughs> it's live? It's live. So it's that you stream <clears throat> it live? You can watch it. Like they stream it live on YouTube. Yeah. But you can watch you can watch it, the recording of it. But it's like an old it's like an old call-in show. It's like click and clack or like I don't know. There was Are like, the are the callers real people? Yeah, yeah. And he makes okay. fun of them because they're okay. all like Is he Tim Heidecker? Is he Tim Heidecker as a character? He's pretty he's fairly reserved. He wants he's trying to be himself. Okay. But you know, he slips into that? like He's he's a crank. He can't stop talking about Trump. Okay. Um, he refuses to talk about his projects. So he won't talk about his movies <laughs> or his CDs or his web series or anything else that he's working on, which is kind of hilarious because <laughs> he's like not using it to promote himself. Um, I don't know. It's a very weird flavor. And then his web series that I love called On Cinema at the Cinema is um, series finale. Uh, Wednesday night. It's been an amazing season so far. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. What have you been watching? Um, I started The Mandalorian. I started The Mandalorian oh, yeah, for yeah. one reason, and for... that was to see Baby Yoda. Yeah. We must protect him. Baby Yoda's the cutest thing I've ever seen. And that includes our three children. Yeah. No, no, that's totally fair. They have designed it to be the cutest creature any of us have ever seen. Yeah. I would die for Baby Yoda. Absolutely. Uh, so I, you know, I'm not a Star Wars stan. It's enjoyable. Sure. I think the less they talk, the better. I don't think the dialogue is. Well, that's what's so smart about this show, right? Yeah, and uh, there's not a lot of talking. It's more like cool sets and a guy in a helmet walking around yeah, and yeah, yeah. Baby Yoda. Well, it's yeah, and it's like it's like a old Clint Eastwood Western or something. It's just kind of wandering there's around. Kind of like Not a, that much happens. There's, there's like, like a shootout. A labyrinth vibe to it, too. Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. You know, like a little, like some weird, like Muppet stuff happening. I don't know. It's a, uh, it's not, I will keep watching it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't think it's going to ever going to be like must-see TV, though, because it doesn't have that like, it doesn't have that Game of Thronesy or Breaking Bad vibe where you're like, you have to see it. Well, we're three episodes in. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. Maybe that'll change. But, like, I didn't know Baby Yoda was coming because I saw it the night it came out. And I think it had been really top secret and they had actually kept it under wraps. I mean, what a reveal. Yeah. What a yeah. reveal. And, well, of course, there's this, all this stuff. It's not Baby Yoda. It's Baby whatever that species is. I but, mean, like, come on, guys. It's Baby Yoda. Let's not get too... Bogged down on this, fellas, because Yoda's species is just called the Yoda species. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. Yeah. Stop talking. Check it out. It's on Wikipedia. <laughs> we have only two canon cast members. Yoda and who else? Yaddle. <laughs> Yaddle is on, the, is on the Jedi Council for um, <clears throat> Phantom, but then disappears and is never mentioned again on 2 and 3. <clears throat> Is it, are Yoda and Yaddle married? No, 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 no. Je- Jedi's didn't get married during the Republic. Okay, but is every Yoda a Jedi? Well, this is the. I mean, this, where, where this did Baby Yoda my come nerdy, from? The nerdy Jet- Star Wars part of me is like, well, not everybody's a Jedi. But then, you know, this Yoda is so big deal. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> TV is really silly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
I think, it, yeah, I think about all the time there were the uh, game makers who do World of Warcraft and they were at like Comic-Con sure, or something. Sure, sure. And this fan stands up and he's like, on the eighth level yep. of the cyber planet yeah. barrier, yeah. you have created a Slorgisglon that is needs a special and they're like it's like a five minute question and the guys are like what are you talking about <laughs> like at some point we have to accept that what we're watching is not reality yeah. it's written on a page and filmed and there are limitations to yeah. that yeah 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 including well, a, star wars well yeah there, I, did i show you the clip of uh, han solo being asked did han shoot first or did oh, yeah. shoot first <laughs> And he just stares at the interview and says, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that's so silly is like every time you see like a serious moment on TV, remember that there are like teamsters eating a donut (laughs) five feet away. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's PAs like playing Candy Crush on their phone, like right off screen. Yeah. The whole thing is so goofy, like just TV is just silly. Just have fun. Why should we so people? Well, not, anyway, Yaddle okay, deserves a shout out. You keep cutting me off. Mm. <laughs> well, this is that. Where it's a combative tone that I'm bringing to the show. No, leave that at home, not our home. <laughs> leave that at someone else's home. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say back to Hereditary, the previous episode mm. you joined us on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got very scared. And really, the only thing that brought me comfort was, like, picturing the guy holding the boom mic in yeah. every scene. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is, there was, this is a fabrication. Well, did I tell you about the location manager who, he took the shed, or, like, the treehouse? Yeah. And he tore it down, and he's now using all that wood for a chicken coop in his yeah. backyard? Yeah, yeah, Like, it's Steven, goofy. Can we explain what you do for a living? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm the... Essentially, I'm an executive producer for a bunch of web series. So, so I get to do a little bit of this stuff that I'm so nerdy about, which I love. Is it safe to call you an industry insider? No, that is not <laughs> I'm, safe I'm going to call you an industry insider. <laughs> I'm a Hollywood insider. Uh, so The Mandalorian, um, mm. I caught up on The Good Place. Don't act like you haven't been watching tons of Bachelor of Provo. Well, of course, I've been watching tons of Bachelor of Provo. My finale recap is live on thebeehive.com today. And you were featured on the show. We, Eli and I, you know, my real host, co-host. Yeah, your work husband. My work husband. We hosted the Mantel All afterward. Truly the weirdest hour of my life. I've had some weird hours in my life. That was 100% the weirdest thing I've ever been a part of. I read all the comments, as you uh, well know. I made Stephen read all the YouTube comments to make sure no one said something about the weird way I moved my head on camera. Yeah. Um, Every, like, 90% of the comments were like, I was there, and it was really, really intense in the room. Yeah. Watching it, it didn't... didn't So, yeah, I haven't watched it back because I don't think I can handle that level of self-reflection, but uh, it's... I, there's no way it could possibly translate on screen how intense that situation was. Yeah, yeah. I just had one of the contestants in here for an interview. Look out for that. It's a Hive Mind bonus episode this week. And our we talked for an hour and 10 minutes and could have talked for two hours longer about well, everything that happened since so that show ended. Can we sidebar about The Bachelor of... Provo for I a would moment. love nothing more. My, I just, 
after hearing you describe <clears throat> how intense this sort of mental all event was, I I I get the sense like the ABC show, those people like know they're on a TV show and they're playing a part. Yeah. I don't think that was the case. And I feel like these kids and they are children. Yeah. Like are having intense emotional experiences. Yeah. So I think this is going to be an intense growing pain for the show deciding what it wants to be. Yeah, sure. Pick a lane. Because I don't think there's the current producers want to exploit emotions. Mm. And I think that to make a successful reality show, you need to exploit emotions. So it'll be interesting to see how the third season plays out. I will be bringing Remington and Carson in for an interview, and I am anxious to hear what they have to say about that. So keep your eyes out for that as well. Who's Carson? Carson is the co-producer. Oh, okay. Is she so on screen? So let's say Carson is a male and he is not. Remington is the Chris Harrison in this. And, sure. um Oh, I'm I'm a little distant from the Bachelor world now, but Carson is like, you know, the guy, the big guy. Sure, sure, sure. The off-screen. That guy. Yeah. The, the, the Stephen Walter of The Stephen Walter, of if, you, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, Stephen, we have been watching The Crown. The Crown. Which is our reason for it. gathering today. I think that Eli is sad to miss this. He has also been watching The Crown. Oh, is he a crown head? He's a crown head. Uh, He's been texting with insights of different episodes. We both agreed that uh, episode three, completely devastating. This is the landslide. The landslide episode. Sure. If you I are... I felt like the real event was more devastating than... Steven, the fictional recreation. Steven, true or false? You had no idea this event occurred until that episode of The Crown. <laughs> well, I mean, that's true. That's true. objectively that's true. That's true. Yeah. If you are in a bad place emotionally, I would skip episode three. It's a it's a tough it's a tough one. It's, it's a tough watch. It's a, a landslide destroying a school. Yeah. Lots of dirty tricks that make you real sad. Uh, it's emotionally manipulative. It's very it's for emotionally sure. yeah, manipulative. Yeah. It accomplishes what it sets out to do, and it does it well. Just be prepared. If you're going to watch episode three, you are going to cry. Yeah, and our child, <clears throat> Ivy, walked in while we were watching that episode, and we were both like... <gasps> yeah. And then, like, nothing was happening. It was like two adults was talking so about something, but we were both like, it's little... fine, everything's fine. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about season three overall. This is, we've seen season one and two with Claire Foy. Mm. She becomes the queen. She starts having children. She has Winston Churchill as her prime minister and a couple others after. Mm. This is when things are getting a little dicier for her as queen and for England as a country. Yeah, yeah. The, there's like the '60s recession, depression, and in, in coal miners or yeah, or that's the backdrop a, for the whole season. Yeah, is like there's an economic downturn in in the UK. Lots of division. Should we be socialist? Should we be conservative? Should we be sure. all these different things? Yeah. I want to talk first of all about Olivia Coleman's performance and what you think of it and how it compares to Claire Foy's. I so we've. The thing with Claire Foy was she was completely unknown to me. Right. For better or worse. And so her very grounded and um, quiet performance on the first two seasons were all I had to go by. And I was like, wow, wow, she's mm-hmm. going to be huge. Mm-hmm. She's tried to do some movies. and hasn't really worked out. Well, well, give her a minute. It's okay, been like fine. a year. Yeah. Sure. Then... 
Well, I guess what I'm saying is like she spread her wings a little bit, and it doesn't seem to be landing the same way. You think this will always be her titular role? Well, I'm not titular, <clears throat> but you know yeah, her, her most her renowned obituary role. Um, and then with Olivia Coleman, we've seen her do so many different things. We've seen her do them very well. Yeah. And so having her do like very quiet, not funny, very reserved, um, it took me a little getting used to. That's interesting because I feel like the first thing I saw her in was Broad Church, which is also uh, a very quiet role. Yeah, that's the role. most similar thing. Yeah, for sure. A very understated role. But she's in a lot of comedies. Yeah. And um, she was she won a, an Oscar last year for The Favorite, which she's very... Outlandish. She's outlandish Yeah, The Kurt, Favorite. Yeah. It's a big performance. Yeah. And, and it's it's sad, but it's also very funny and yeah. there's a lot going on. That's it. She plays a queen in both of them, right? She does. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of her accent? Um, I didn't really think about it at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I, I would imagine one thing I think about a lot when I'm watching British TVs and movies. Like, I know that these accents mean something. Like your yeah. social status, yeah. what part of the country you come from, et cetera. Does that make sense? Do you know what's interesting? Like they pointed out that Princess Margaret's husband is Welsh, and I was like, Pfft. Anita Hill, who just not Anita Hill, Anita Hill, <laughs> <laughs> who just testified in the they, impeachment uh, hearings, Anita something. I believe Anita Hill, by the way. or is it something Hill? So, a woman. She's oh, British. Oh, the British. Yeah, and you she's know the who Ukraine I'm talking expert. about. Expert. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but she testified, and she's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can tell by my accent that I come from a blue-collar area of England. Yeah, We're like, yeah. you what now? Like, what? I'll like, take your word for it. The only Anita. time I've really been like, oh, there's like uh, trashy parts of England was when I was watching Love Island. And I was like, is this English? Like, what are they speaking? Yeah. For yeah. the most part, like a proper British accent sounds like a proper <laughs> British accent to us. Yeah, I was going to say, there's there there's always seems like there's two Englands. There's like the crown and then there's like the sort of like... Lock stock and smoking barrels. And like, yeah. You know. Blimey. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I think this is the most Googled show on earth. I don't think anyone is more on their phone while consuming content than people who are watching The Crown. Yeah. And, and the creator, he did a he did a podcast with Fresh Air, I want to say, where he talks about, like, how hard he works to get it historically accurate that even though it's not like the queen publishes like a memoir and like that trying to divinate through all of her people who do talk about how she reacted to different episodes in her life is how he tries to figure out how to depict it yeah i guess what i'm saying is like it feels very historically accurate well i was gonna say the accents uh are they have gone to painstaking lengths to make them accurate. They brought oh, in... Oh, where did you hear about that? Uh, IMDb trivia, obviously. <laughs> the most accurate. Sure. They brought in a accent coach, actually, who helps mm. these characters speak exactly like the real people speak. Not just that character, but that character in specific parts of their life. Because the way the queen mm. ha- talks has actually slowly changed over time. Sure, all of us. Probably. And so the way Olivia Coleman talks as the queen is different than the way Claire Foy talks as uh, the queen. Yeah. And that will continue to change. Yeah. 
How did you think the season was overall compared to the first two? I would. I really liked it. I really liked it. Yeah. It wasn't quite as gripped because the 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 real push and pull of the first two seasons was just between the queen and her Philip and her husband Philip about their relationship, and so it was really easy to hang your hat and like follow the dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, and um, the the. Doctor Who actor who who played Philip in the first two seasons. Yeah, I don't remember his name. You just God, you just want to punch him in the face like all the time. His accent and his attitude and his he just it's just so it's just lightning in a bottle kind of performances between the two of them. Yeah. In a way where um in this season it's not as much about their marriage anymore. It's a there's a lot more going on. And so I wasn't quite as like I didn't. I wasn't sort of. In, I wasn't thinking like oh, I gotta see the next episode. I gotta see the next episode. The way I was the last first two, but it's still just like probably the best thing Netflix has ever made. I mean, the reason I asked you specifically to come in and talk about. The well, crime. I want to hear what, if you what what you thought of season three compared to season one and two. I think I'd agree. Yeah. I think that it's, it's beautiful. And I think that the performances are spectacular and there's so much history that I am learning because of it that I'm almost embarrassed I didn't know before. (sighs) Don't be. Thank you. They're not important. (laughs) Helena Bonham Carter added a lot to this season. Oh, incredible. I think she was the ace up the sleeve. Uh, I, I think it's interesting to the dynamic between the queen and Prince Philip. It's not that anything was resolved. I think they just got older. You know, you get this sense that it was like, well, we're in this, so yeah, let's just accept it. There's a moment where she's talking to Porchy, and she has this, what my life could have been had I married Yeah, you. that's a good episode. Had I had this different life. Yeah. Had I done this thing I really want to do. But there's no way that could have ever been her life. So I think she's married to Philip because she's married to Philip, and she's the queen, and that's the way it is. Well, it just reflects the whole arc of the show, which is that all the sacrifices these people make to to preserve this thing that they okay. have. Okay, so that gets me to where I want to get into this with yeah. you, because over dinner the other night, you said, it's interesting that that show is so pro, not so, but overall pro-royal, and I said, I feel like this show is anti-royal. And it's this third season that has convinced me the show is anti-royal. At the end of season two, I would have said this show is in love with the royals. It is pro-royal. At the end of season three, I am very much like the creator of the show does not think the monarchy should exist. Oh, wow. Not only I'm completely flipped on that. So I will say I think that the creator of show has a lot of respect for the queen. And I think that oh, he, he adores her. He understands why the monarchy exists. I think that he doesn't think it should continue to exist. I think that this show is making the case for the monarchy to end. Yeah, and that on a high could, note. On a high note, because he loves her so much. Even even like last season when he was depicting her as like dumb, frankly. Yeah. He was still like, but she's so nice and she it, That is a well. big part of season three is she does not always come across as smart. She comes off as out of touch and not knowing what the people need or what the people want from her or yeah. even really knowing all of the ins and outs of global politics like a queen probably should. 
Yeah, and 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 but she but the the center of the whole show on her interactions with these prime ministers. It's like multiple times an episode she's having a meeting with a prime minister and it's a way of exploring some geopolitical or um you know internal political situation or the drama that her family is having what it's what how that's causing problems in parliament or whatever. Yeah. And even though she's not depicted as being particularly smart, she's always depicted as being like she wants what's best and she's like a benevolent um dictator or or queen or whatever. And like even um this one one thing that really sent me this way was there's an episode on this new season where the Prince of Wales uh goes to Wales and learns Welsh mm-hmm. and like convinces an ardent Welsh nationalist they're like ah oh, these are actually really nice people and maybe it's like not so bad to have nice people being in this okay, monarchy but he's doing that in rebellion of his family his family is unaware of what he's saying in his speech which is essentially Wales should be its own thing Wales is not wrong in wanting their independence yeah but but he's a uh, it, they're having their cake and eating it too. Is what's happening on this the show. filmmakers or the royalty? The royals, which is that like if you can just find one royal who you agree with or who agrees with you or who you can imbue like um, uh, your meaning onto them, then you're like, well, maybe the monarchy's not so bad. Mm, see, I disagree. I think there's that scene where the Prince of Wales is about to make his speech and you see all of these men lined up with their big hats and yeah, their coats. The feeders. And, and there's like the Dalmatian fur. It's not Dalmatian, obviously, but there's like this, yeah. you know, the fur and the Ornate crown. and gold. And, yeah. and I had this moment where I, you know, it was like if I was a pot smoker, it would have been exacerbated by this because it's like, what are these people? What is this thing? What is this construct? Why does any of this exist? And I feel like the show is very successful in pointing out the absurdity of it. Oh, man. I, 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 I don't agree because I think what the, I think what the British people are depicted in the show as liking the monarchy. And despite its flaws and despite it, it's the only thing that's like left of being British because they keep depicting like they're losing um, these different um, colonies and mm. they're losing um, like faith in their uh, parliament, but they still have um, – the royal family. See, and I, it, it's one of those things like where if you – I think if you look at it too closely, it loses its magic. And there's a whole episode about that, which is where they invite the documentary crew into the house. Yes. Where they're depicted as being like, these are just normal people. In fact, they're actually really absurd, obtuse, and like, why are we paying for this? And why, what, is this, what function does this serve? It's better if you don't look at it closely well, and just but, sort of squint your eyes and think like, oh, it's a tradition and, you know. I think that episode is showing that they are starting to lose the people. 
because that documentary yeah. did not depict them well. I mean, the documentary right. documentarians did what they could, but right. the fact is that they are obtuse people who think that their lives are normal when, in fact, their lives are paid for by taxpayers who can sure. barely put food on the table, and they have no sense of what reality is for most of Britain. I, I, I completely agree, but we're... We live in a country where we left that system and sure. despise that well, system, and we're still fascinated with watching it. Okay, and I do think that they're my— like, They're like celebrities. Sh- 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 I think that my view <laughs> of this season was—I've um, been looking through a lens that's slightly blurred by some recent events, one being yeah, the treatment of Meghan Markle, um, yes, that yes, heartbreaking yes. interview she gives where she says, like, nobody's asking how I'm doing. And, like, who knows the context behind that? I don't know both sides of the story. I I know it's hard to feel sorry for someone who has had everything paid for them, has had like a beautiful wedding, seems to live this princess life. But I think there's something to be said that she feels very alone as a as a black woman who is a member of the royal family. I, I and an American. An American. And I I feel like one of the things this show tackles really well is like well, really, only like the queen has work to do, right? And maybe right. Other people kind of help her, sure. But for the most part, like you really, she's really the only one that has a job. So, which leads me to Prince uh, Prince Andrew, who is in a whole lot of hot water yeah. right now for his friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. I, I completely agree. Only just to coda on Meghan Merkel, which is that she built her own career. Yes. And is now in a situation where, like, literally, what is my function now? Okay. There is a book that is written by the authors of Go Fug Yourself. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jessica Morgan and Heather, I cannot remember her last name. It's not a great book, um, but I read it. It's called The Royal We. And it is interesting in how it shows what life is like for people who marry into the royal family and how terrible it really can be. How vicious the tabloids are, what the expectations are, what the queen wants from you. I mean, it's a fictionalized queen in the book, but it's based on reality and what being a royal actually means. And it sounds like hell. It sounds like hell for anyone who's a royal. And it's kind of... A system that people outside of royalty are looking at and saying, why are we doing this? So why are we doing this? Why does it still exist? You do get the sense and like, you know, being very far removed from it, that there's um, middle and lower class England. Yeah. Love the royals. Yeah. And love all the drama. Yeah. And love the like tradition. Love the plates with their faces on it. By the tea kettles and yeah. the and the. Love the weddings. Yeah, absolutely. And that, like, educated Britons, like, don't think about it at all. And when they do, they're like, yeah, it's stupid. It'll end soon. At some point, it'll just end. Yeah. Right? And that, but then there's, like, this other class of, like, these landed gentry who actually, like, kind of need the system to stay in place. Like, it, it, it just sort of conservatism, <laughs> the whole power structure they need. Well, and we see similar patterns in America, right? Yeah. Surrounding whatever big figures we have. There seems to be more similarity between, sure. like, 
maybe the very wealthy and poverty stricken than between like middle class and the super wealthy or middle class and poverty stricken in who they admire. Yeah, I was thinking about um, like remember when there was all the Civil War statues were being torn down or debated to be torn down and sort of it's part of their history, but it's also kind of a dark part of their history. And that whole debate is like it felt similar in a way. Sure. And I definitely 100 percent agree with you that I think the point of view of the crown is that they got really lucky that the queen's dad became the king and Mm -hmm. not her brother Mm -hmm. or his brother, that he passed it on to Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. who is a very reserved and kind person Mm -hmm. and that they're building up to what we know in the present is that her son and his son are both weirdos who will likely cause the end of the royal monarchy as we know it. That yeah. If it doesn't just sort of end the way that the Japanese are ending their monarchy, which is this that he's just decided to shut, shut it down. <laughs> so Prince Andrew... Uh, Prince Andrew, who remind me how he's what's his Prince relation? Andrew is it goes uh, Charles and Andrew Edwin. Okay, so he's the queen's uh, third child, second, second son, second son. So, so I mean, last week he gave that horrible BBC interview. Yeah, and he's been talked about for years as a weirdo, right? Yes. Yeah. So he gave that a terrible BBC interview. Last week, which was essentially like, oh, you know, in the world of Epstein, there was people all around all the time. Essentially, like, people who are the help aren't people. They don't count. Uh, it was a really tough look. I didn't catch that. It was, it was tough. Uh, this week, the queen is like, you know what? I'll show you. We're canceling your 60th birthday party. And everyone else in the world is like, what are you talking about? Also, he's stepping down from royal duties. What royal duties? Yeah. What was this guy doing? Yeah. When is his real punishment coming? When is he going to be held accountable for complicity? Well, and then I read that he's declining to come to America for fear that his grand jury will be an opportunity for the FBI to actually put him under arrest. Yeah. They're so they're so worried that they have um that the Americans have good evidence on him that as as a pedophile or serial rapist or whatever. Um that he can't even travel this country. He's like yeah. So I don't think it's wrong to assume that it might be Queen Elizabeth's children, who are the end of the monarchy, Princess Anne, who I think the character, the actress who plays actor, who plays Princess Anne in The Crown is phenomenal. She knocked it out of the park. She's amazing. Mm. She was probably the best part of the season. I agree. I agree. She has not given her kids royal names. She, like, wants no part of it. She shows up for things, but she's like, we're going to live a normal life. We're going to do normal people things. I think this is kind of dumb. So it's interesting that there's that dynamic. There's the sons who are like, I'm royal. I can do whatever I want. Her, She's like, I don't think this is a great system. And Prince Charles, who, who knows what he's doing? I mean, I think that Prince Charles hates that he's next in line for the crown. Well, and the show gets into this idea of their household having kind of two character 
types, yes. kind of two Which archetypes. Is so fascinating. And it, it is insightful. There's the bombastic Princess Margaret and there's the dull Queen Elizabeth. And you need both, but you need the dull one to be in charge. You need the dull one to be in charge, but you need the the charismatic one to be kind of out a little bit causing trouble. Yeah. To keep them sort of in the news. Yeah. In a way that's actually kind of beneficial to them. It almost reminds me of like a Michael Jackson or someone else whose celebrity is not at at a certain point it's not even about his records anymore. It's about his like the crazy photos. He named his kid Blanket. <laughs> is that true? I didn't know. Yeah, but like you, the stuff like even after Michael Jackson wasn't really making music, it was still like he's Michael Jackson because he's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and it's helpful that Princess Margaret was, you know, a little wild. Yeah, um, they needed her. Yeah, like I think I think there's a tabloidism, there's a celebrity part of it that we in America understand really well as well. Yeah, of like these people are kind of inherently interesting because they shouldn't be behaving like this and they are right 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 it wouldn't be weird if my uncle got caught drinking <laughs> right out on the town <laughs> but it's weird when prince charles does or whatever right right yeah yeah and boy like you've always heard that he's a weirdo charles yeah um like i just forever have always I guess since Princess Diana, because, yeah. yeah. But then this show, <coughs> like, clearly thinks he's, like, a very odd duck. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens next season when we meet Princess Diana. Because yeah. I there's this great movie, The Queen, starring Helen, Helen Mirren, about right. the death of Princess Diana and the relationship between Princess Diana and the royal family and how fraught that was. Yeah. And I will be very interested to see how that plays out in this show because I think that Princess Diana caused them a lot of stress, maybe for, like, good. Like, maybe they learned from it. Maybe it was just stress for stress and it would cause a lot of problems and nothing good came of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see their take on that. Given our opinions, you think they're pro, I think they're anti. I think it will be very sympathetic to Diana. Uh, you, I'd be interested to see if you think it will be not so kind to Diana. I, we should rewatch the 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 Queen. Yeah. Um, because I remember it being kind of mixed on both. That both. Oh, of, and, she, and there's a lot more nuance than both I'm parties portraying. It's, it sort of sets up like a it's the Queen versus Diana. Yeah. And who can like garner the most public favorable opinion and stuff? Yeah. And even after her passing, she, people high, hold her in such high yeah. regard. Um, that while she was alive, she never even had. Well, sure. and that's true for anybody, right? Yeah, true. Not everybody. <laughs> well, not Hitler, but most people. Uh, Stephen, we, we're, we've got only a few minutes left, but I also wanted to talk to you about the, the moon episode where Prince Philip becomes completely obsessed with the moon landing and the astronauts who pulled it off. Yeah. We read that episode completely different ways oh we did um i watched this and i was like this is so dumb i i don't understand this guy's fascination with this he's clearly setting himself up to be heartbroken sure what is this midlife crisis why am i spending time watching this and i feel like you read it very differently 
I don't know if I did. I <clears throat> I think it's I think it was it's a midlife crisis episode. Yeah, like the the episode of the show is about the the what, I can't remember his name, Prince Philip. Yeah, um, finding his footing in mid in the middle of his life, and what's his what's what is his point, and what is what is, what has he done with his life? And um, I think the point the point that I remember you laughing at me about was when I said you didn't you never cried watching the moonlight. <laughs> Because I've certainly cried watching the movie. <laughs> I think the point when you considered divorce was when I asked you, would you rather go to Paris or the moon? Sure, sure, sure. You said the moon, and I said, I think I'd rather go to Paris. I mean, consider divorce. That's that's tough language. I mean, I called the lawyer. <laughs> Just to see what your options were. And he's like, it's Sunday night. Can this, you know, which was good. It gave me a few hours to catch my breath. Um, the next day I ran a Twitter poll. To see, yeah, your Twitter followers to see are really a shame. If given the choice, you would rather travel to the moon or Paris. I I am completely was, baffled by there this. There was a fifty five percent to forty five percent split in favor of Paris. Yeah, yeah. Someone pointed out that it seems to split along gender lines. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Where females would prefer to go to Paris. Right. Males would prefer to go to the moon. Of course, that's not right. true for everybody. But it was also interesting while we were watching the episode, I said, you don't see women have midlife crises often in right. media. And so I wonder if it's that same kind of idea where it's like this this moonshot, whatever the moonshot is, this thing that a man feels like he has to do if he hasn't done this thing. Yeah. He's not a man. And that's not always a concern for women. Um, I think I see that more in like divorce movies. Okay. And I think that actually speaks to a larger point about like I feel like um, – Women in like divorce movies kind of wake up and they're like, "Oh, like what do I do now?" Yeah, um, and that's kind of like similar to a midlife crisis type of movie, but I think it's because they're they're just busy. And in this show, like <laughs> the queen's super busy. Yeah, she's always depicted as being like signing stuff and meeting with people and entertaining yeah. people, and like Philip is sort of just like. Um, her assistant, yeah. kind of, you know, and um, that's been a theme from the whole show. But it 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 seems to be in that episode in particular pointed at the fact that he'll never be an explorer, he'll never be an adventurer, and he is just kind of like d dealing with that. Well, and then we had the conversation of how many of us say like, if only things have been different i would be this when in reality no you wouldn't you would be a normal person you would have a normal person job sure and i think the part of prince philip's character is he always feels so put upon mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to be the husband to the queen he feels emasculated when would he actually survive was he not in that position of extreme privilege yeah yeah would he be an astronaut no 100 no he would not be an astronaut no. He'd be a normal guy, if that. Yeah, I mean, he, I, you know, he. I think the the I I like the way the show handled him this this year, and actually, um, for Game of Thrones fans, 
Mm-hmm. There's at least two uh, cast members from Game of Thrones that have joined this new season of The Crown. Prince Philip and who else? Um, Prince Philip and um, Prince Philip's uncle. Oh, Mountbatten. Lord Mountbatten. Mountbatten. Yeah. Oh, we need We're to mention we uh, we gotta go, but we need to mention Princess Alice, the chain smoking nun. Who, oh, yeah. She was so great. She's amazing. Yeah. And I had no, and never heard a word about turns this. No out clue. Prince Philip's mother really was a Greek chain-smoking princess who was a nun who they brought back to Buckingham Palace to live out the rest of her days when she was very old. She adds this crazy dimension to this yeah, season. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I like her a lot. I just feel like there wasn't much to... Like the what drove the first two seasons was the relationship between the husband and wife. Yeah, and now that that's kind of played out a little bit, now the now they're bringing on all these interesting other cast. Well, and I think it is kind of fun that we're getting entire episodes about other members of the royal family. Yeah, yep. Uh, It's just a different show now. So that would be my pitch for this show, by the way. If people have not watched it, is if you loved the Game of Thrones kind of politics and intrigue and sort of um, court drama, palace drama. Mm-hmm. It's that, but it's not like, you know, R-rated, X-rated. <laughs> less boobs. <laughs> There's much less like heads getting chopped off and, yeah. and people having sex and, and et cetera. But it's, it's you know, it's it's still just as fascinating of like how are these people in these privileged situations hanging on to it? Yeah. Uh, as it's kind of the whole thing is crumbling around them. Yeah. There's really no point. There's no point in a monarchy anymore other than it just as like a symbol. And so what does that symbol mean and how are they? It's very well explored. It's very interesting. And the idea that you would want to go to Paris instead of the moon is completely and utterly absurd. I just don't think that the moon has croissants. The moon doesn't need croissants. The moon needs croissants. It has moon cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we'd love to hear what you think of season three of The Crown. Find me on Twitter at Meg Morley Walter or The Meg. Uh, You can find The Beehive at thebeehive.com. Next week, we will be re-recording our episode of The Morning Show, which we recorded and it did not record. So we'll be doing that again next week. I'll be joined again by Eli and our good friend, Jolyn Metro. So join us for that. Thank, uh, Stephen, thank you so much for being with me here today. Thanks for having me. Sorry I yelled. <laughs> See you later.